Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Trickeration production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Trickeration, your number one spot for stories about deception in sports. I'm your host, Matt Waxman, each week bringing you tales of delightful dishonesty by hoaxers, scammers, pranksters, and on and off the field cheaters. If you like to hear stories about people who played by their own rules, this is the podcast for you. Today, we are serving up two helpings of sports deceit. First, a college kid with an appetite for disruption takes aim at his favorite team. And later, a member of baseball royalty takes a self-inflicted punch. Okay, on to the show. My girlfriend was, you know, she was like, she, she didn't really even understand what was going on. I'm like, this is big, you know? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not uh, really into it on the Sunday morning, but, you know, it was like... I have 400,000 people trying to get a hold of me. This voice you're hearing is Ricky Padilla. He's a rising senior at Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And when they're playing, the utility infielder on the baseball team. Started at short, second, catcher, and third base. Ricky's a big baseball fan. I'm a huge, huge Padres fan, and I'm really just a huge San Diego sports fan. For a Mother's Day promotion in 2019, a company, I think it was Budweiser, tweeted at the Padres, if you change your name to the San Diego Madres for Mother's Day, we'll do something special for Padres fans at your next home game. Deal? And then and the Padres said, oh, you're on. We go back to the scene of the heist. It was a Sunday morning on, I think it was, oh, it was Mother's Day. So back in May 2019, and it was like 6.45 in the morning, East Coast time. So I was sitting in the library getting ready to study for some final exams. He logs onto Twitter and sees the Padres have successfully changed their Twitter handle to at Madres. But did they remember to put a hold on at Padres? So I opened up my settings in the app. And I was like, let's check it out. Let's see if it's, if it's taken. It wasn't taken. So Ricky attempts to change his username from his current handle, at RickyPadilla22, to at Padres. And shockingly, Twitter said the handle was available. It was easy as that. It took about 20 seconds. 
and then checked out my own profile and there it was. It was at Padres. For the one day promotional switch, the Padres forgot to put a hold on the team's official handle. And when I got it, I, I was like, oh man, this is going to be fun. Ricky was now in control of the team account and its 400,000 followers. But really, the entire baseball Twitterverse was at his fingertips. At first, I, I didn't really believe it. You know, I'm like, uh, there's no way that Twitter would let this happen. So, you know, I screenshotted it, sent it to all my teammates. And I'm like, yo, like, you guys go look up at Padres on Twitter. And they were like, no way. Like, why is your profile coming up? If at that time you went to at Padres Twitter, the profile photo was no longer of Manny Machado, but a Calvin University college baseball player with a soul patch and shaggy curls. People were like, this kid is like a younger Kenny Powers. <laughs> and then... Um, and then I started getting all these notifications from from fans tweeting out about trades. Somebody asked, like, you want some tickets? So I said, yeah, you got two of them behind the home plate. And then somebody else asked me about um, Ian Kinsler, who's obviously washed up. So then somebody was like, you know, can we DFA him? DFA, designate for assignment, meaning send the 14-year veteran second baseman to the minors, effectively releasing him. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. You know, right now, like, nobody should have a contract playing that bad. You tweet that the team should designate for assignment Ian Kinsler because he's playing badly. Yeah, but I mean, at the time, everybody in San Diego was really fed up with this. And that's why everybody kind of loved it. So you were like the voice of the fans, but you'd gotten control of the team account. Yeah, yeah. And when you're tweeting out about players, do any of the players see it? <laughs> uh, yeah, like. Three days later, Ian Kinsler hit a home run in like the bottom of the ninth. And then when he came across home plate, he just gave everybody the bird. And he started just flipping off the stands. And he said like, he said like, fuck all you. Like, you know, people immediately started like flooding my DMs and like, did you see what Kinsler did? Like, that's because of you. Because you, you just said to DFA him last week, like on his own team's platform. So, you know, he had to have seen that. And when you do have control of it, are you totally glued to this? Or you're like, well, I just have this thing and I'm going about my day. It drew all my attention in. And even like my girlfriend was, you know, she didn't really even understand what was going on. I'm like, this is big, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not uh, really into it on the Sunday morning. But, you know, it's like, I have 400,000 people trying to get a hold of me. So your girlfriend was like, let's go get brunch. And you're like, no, you don't understand what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like on my phone. So I promised to put it down for an hour while we were at brunch. And that's what I did. It could have been much worse for the Padres. Looking back at it, I wish I would have tweeted at MLB, you know. And people wanted me to do much worse stuff with it. But I wanted to keep it PG. If that happened where so, like somebody that was like anonymous got a hold of it, it you know could have turned like very poorly how did you even think to do this have you ever done anything like this before are you especially involved in social media what led up to having this idea you know what i honestly think that any kid that's under the age of like 23 in the united states would have had the same idea you know i'm not a guru or anything like that it was just and I was, I was just, I had to have been like that first person that noticed it. So when did the Padres reach out to you and how did they reach out to you and what do they say? So I got the account at 7 a.m. And I want to say it was around noon. That's when they, they DM me from the, you know, from like the actual handle. Because the team account wasn't public domain, at Jack's Minions stepped in 
and rerouted the hijacked handle back to the team. It was like a, you know, snap of a finger. I was back at Ricky Padilla 22. So where did the breakdown happen? How could the marketing arm of a professional baseball team drop the ball like this? Well, I later learned they worked out something with Twitter where Twitter was supposed to hold on to it that night and then something went wrong. So, you know, it was it was more or less like Twitter's fault. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I hope I hope nothing too bad happened to any of the people working in, in the marketing department for the Padres. Domain disputes between pro sports teams and squatters often become ugly and protracted. The most famous being in 2014 when the owner of Nets.com turned it into a porn site in an unsuccessful attempt to get Brooklyn's team owner to the negotiating table. But with that Padres having already been returned to the team, Ricky had zero leverage in his negotiation. Some people didn't understand that and they were like, man, you gotta like sell it back for X amount of dollars or ask for BP with Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis. So I tweeted out at them and I just said, you know, uh, I think I said, like, can, I, can I just have some free tickets for not causing too much damage? And then they said, yes, like, we'll give you four for a game this summer. And that was really nice of them. Did you ever reach out to the Padres, be like, hey, I, I've shown that I can handle this, you know, how about a job? You know, I even applied actually to a Padres internship for the 2020 summer and like their marketing department. I got an email back about a month later and they said, no, we're not interested. So <laughs> I think that was a clear cut response. So what was the publicity like when this story went public? Who's writing about it and what's the response you're getting? Like Barstool Sports, ESPN, MLB Network, USA Today. It was national news for a couple of days there, which is pretty crazy to look at. Why do you think the story received so much attention? I'm, I think it's, it's really just like the uniqueness of it was what drew people's attention. It kind of shows that stuff like that can happen. It's like I'm just some kid that goes to a small school in West Michigan, takes over a team's Twitter handle in San Diego. That's uh, pretty weird. That shouldn't happen. And what's it like having a single internet moment that becomes attached to your name where everyone who Googles you sees all of these responses? Is that positive or negative? Oh, it's sweet. It's, it's, it's real sweet. When I meet people for the first time, they're like, oh, the Twitter guy. Like, now I'm just kind of known as that one dude that that was Padres for four hours. There was, however, one negative aspect of the story for Ricky. People call me Mr. Padre. And I'm like, no, I'm not, not Mr. Padre because Mr. Padre was Tony Gwynn. So that's the only negative thing I'd say <laughs> that comes out of it. So I had to throw that out there. Maybe you're Mr. Madre. Sure, I'll take that. And how were the tickets? How was the game? The only thing I would say is the tickets, they were like the weirdest seats in the stadium. I couldn't see the left fielder. <laughs> I mean, how many seats are there in this stadium where you can't see the whole field? That had to have been like the one section. <laughs> they put you in the worst seats in the house. I think they hit you with obstructed view out of spite. <laughs> they might have. They might have. All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, how two bad words written over 30 years ago forever altered the lives of two men. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Obviously, his play on the field, he wasn't a Hall of Fame player. He didn't bat 300, hit 50 home runs. Billy Ripken, 12 seasons, over 2,700 at-bats. If you could sum up his career in two words, what would those two words be? Fuckface. Former Orioles second baseman Billy Ripken is best known for two things, being the younger brother to Iron Man shortstop Cal, and for sharpieing those two words on the knob of his bat, forever commemorated in his 1989 Fleer card. You could hold it from three feet away, and it's clear as day. It's not like you need a magnifying glass and he will forever be linked to that one pose. This is John Pedersen, the number one collector of the notorious Billy Ripken card and the world's foremost expert on all things surrounding it. I mean, a lot of people have hobbies doing woodworking, working on cars. I'm not that guy. Uh, three kids, two dogs, not a whole lot of time to be you know, doing a lot of other things. But I could still say I'm a baseball card collector, but 95% of my baseball card collecting kind of revolves around this card. 15 years ago, John launched BillRipkin.com, a website devoted to every imaginable facet of this card and a meeting place for fuckface enthusiasts around the world. I don't want to use the word obsession, but... Feel free to describe what it has become. Well, you said it, I didn't, but yeah, it's great. I, I love it. And what was the response in the public when this card came out? Um, I guess it was shock. The first I heard about it was my dad showed me a newspaper article and it was, uh, hey, somebody's discovered a baseball card with the bad word written on it. I was 16 years old. I hadn't collected baseball cards in probably five years. And it kind of piqued my interest. And you read through the article and you realize it's, uh, it's Cal Ripken's younger brother, Billy. 
if it had been Joe Schmo playing for the Milwaukee Brewers or something, I would never would have thought twice about it. But when you see the word Ripken, that's baseball royalty right there. That's like Prince Harry doing something over in England. I mean, it's it's like, ooh, this is little brother Billy up to no good. And it just uh, adds to the allure of it. His dad was the, at the time, had just been the manager of the Orioles. His brother it was a future Hall of Famer. It was a big black eye to the family. So my first thing was I wanted to go see the card. I want to see it in person. This is before the internet. You couldn't just Google it. So I go to the baseball card show and needless to say, about an hour later, I walked out of there with with the card and about $20 less in my pocket. Even when I spent $20 on the baseball card, I felt dirty walking out of there thinking I just threw away a couple tanks of gas on my car. When the card comes out and people ask Ripken about it, what was his original explanation for how this happened? Uh, I didn't know anything about it. This was my batting practice bat. You know, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I turned, I took a picture. That was it. I didn't know what was going on. Um, It was my teammates playing a practical joke on me. I think he may have even used the words in one article. It may have been my brother. He'd never really come out and said, hey, listen, of course I did it. It's my fault. You know, I didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident, but I did write those words on a bat. What was the response from the public? Was there a strong demand for from this card originally? In, in the late 80s, into the early 90s, baseball cards were in high demand to begin with. It was the popular thing to collect. People were investing money in baseball cards, believe it or not, and uh, thinking they could buy a dollar card and sell it for $10 in a year or $100 in 10 years. So, yeah, there was it was something different about this card. You weren't collecting or buying a Hall of Fame or a future Hall of Fame player, you were doing it for one reason, and that's to own a, a little piece of history, I guess. And what was Fleer's response when they found out the error? It was shock. It was uh, embarrassment. It wasn't something that was designed by Fleer saying, hey, let's drum up some sales. Let's let's put out a baseball card that everybody's going to be talking about for the wrong reasons. I think it was more of something slipped through the cracks. So I'm sure there was a frantic three-week period or so, late January of 1989 to maybe February of 1989, where the company was just scrambling. Um, I think estimates say over 100,000, probably more, were produced. And then, of course, the company themselves, they're like, hey, we got to get this off the market. They basically said, hey, if you have the card, send it back to us. We'll mail you a replacement. I can only fathom how many baseball cards rolled off the printer every day at FLIR. Um, I, I, I bet a half a million were probably produced because they were pumping out cards so much there. And you're trying to now destroy the Billy Ripken card to keep it out of circulation. And how did they handle it in terms of trying to cover up the obscenity? Yeah, they started covering it up. They, uh, they started, you know, putting black scribbles or white scribbles on it. And people would be like, listen, you're, you're, you're trying, but you're not doing good enough. And finally, they came up with a, uh, a black box version of the a, a cover-up. Just put a big old black box in the end of the bat and say, there you go. That That's all we're going to do about it. Now, I've also heard they may have used whiteout to obscure the bat knob. You know, it could have just been somebody at a desk, you know, saying, here's a dab of whiteout, or I'm going to put a little, you know, piece of white tape on it and submit it back into circulation. I have some cards that could fit that description, but who knows what the uh, original origins are. And when did you start collecting this card, and what life has that taken on? It wasn't until uh, probably the late 90s where I discovered that beautiful thing called eBay. And I was searching for something totally random, and I, I said, hey, what, whatever happened to the Billy Ripken card? 
I started looking. I, I said, you know, what, what's a card like that worth today? Needless to say, I was disappointed where my $20 investment back in 1989 was now worth maybe $10 in 2000. So, again, not discouraged. It was more of, well, let's see what else is out there. And I met a couple people on eBay that also collected this card, and we started sharing some stories. They would show me cards that were kind of not really mainstream variations of the card, but they were like little little subtle differences. And it definitely got me going again with uh, with baseball cards. Over the course of the 30 plus years, what has been the marketplace for this card? What are the ebbs and flows of the value? In the late 80s, the demand was through the roof. People were paying $100 plus for a, a very common variation of a 1989 baseball card. It was ridiculous. People were buying the hype and nothing more. But I think once baseball cards kind of peaked in the 90s, the card value went down and it, it didn't really go up in value a whole lot. Since this isn't a super valuable item, what's the motivation for collecting it? Um, well, that, number one, it's cheap. I don't like collecting fancy cars or boats or airplanes. I, I, it's a cheap, fun hobby for me. I love the days where I can pick up a, a subtle variation on eBay for, let's say, $2 or $3 and I get it in the mail, I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was, that was fun. In 2008, 20 years after he scribbled those immortal words, Billy Ripken finally admitted the real story behind the bad obscenity. He came clean. He, he said, yeah, I want to be on the record for this. Uh, you know, I, I did it. Um, I, I used it as my batting practice bat. His, his uh, excuse was, my father was pitching batting practice at, you know, four o'clock and it's 355 and I'm still in the clubhouse and I got to grab my bat and run out, run out there and take batting practice. I want to make sure I grab the right bat. So I wrote fuckface on there. <laughs> now, again, you know, how hard is it to just to write your number or something else on the bat? But, you know, that was his, uh, that was his story. He probably never thought it would get to the level it got to. I can only imagine if Twitter was around back then or <laughs> anything else, but uh, he, he took a lot of backlash for it. And have you ever met Bill Ripken? Uh, let's see. One time, yeah. I went to a baseball card show in Baltimore, probably, I'm guessing, uh, 10 to 15 years ago. He was signing autographs. There weren't many people in line to get his autograph, so it was kind of a, a short stay. So this was still kind of the before the admission, I guess. I had an 8 by 10 picture for him to sign. If somebody puts down a baseball card or a picture for him to sign, and it's that picture, obviously it's the first thing he thinks of. He wrote, John, good luck, Bill Ripken. So now if you look at the last three letters of luck, U-C-K, they match identically to what is written on the bat. I didn't ask him to write that on the picture. He chose to write that. And I thought it was kind of a neat little way of a wink, wink, like, hey, you know, we both know who wrote that on there. What life has this card taken on in pop culture? Um, well, people that were, let's say, 10 years old to 20 years old back in the 80s, are now in their 40s and 50s, and they have disposable income, let's say, and they have a little taste for nostalgia. Um, it's uh, it's crazy. People are making replica baseball bats with the with the words on the end, and people will paint pictures. People will make all kinds of art to hang on the wall. People that aren't followers of baseball still know what the uh, the F base card is. And uh, last question for you: What? What role has this card played in your life? Well, it's something I can, you know, do on my free time and I can share it with my kids. I can share it with my wife. I can, you know, talk to other people about it. 
I mean, anytime you have a hobby and you meet people with like minds, uh, it's always fun. Uh, people all over the country just sharing pictures, sharing stories. Uh, I love getting emails that say, hey, look what I found, or what do you think of this card? Um, have you heard this story? It's great. I, I love it. It's something that keeps me going. All right, that is it for today. A big thanks to Mr. Madre, Ricky Padilla. If you're interested in having Ricky hijack your team or company's social media account, reach out to him at rickypadilla22 on Twitter or just throw him a follow. And thanks to John Pedersen, whose website again is billripkin.com if you have any questions. Also, the tip line for future episodes for Trickeration is open. Send us an email at trickerationnation at gmail.com or send us a note on Instagram or Twitter, both at Trickeration. And as always, please rate and review if you're liking the show. And finally, as we do at the end of every show, we check in with the legend, Chris, Mad Dog Russo. Chris, how'd we do today? Maddie, good job. Keep up the good work, pal. Thank you, Chris. All right, everyone. See you next week. Trickeration is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Watch sensational Grand Slam action on Tennis Channel as top stars clash at Roland Garros in Paris. Catch all the excitement. What a shot. Come on now. With Tennis Channel's comprehensive coverage as we bring you live matches and nightly encores, plus match previews. That is awesome. Don't miss one of the greatest events in all of sports. Roland Garros, the French Open. Daily live coverage on Tennis Channel, now through June 9th. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.